Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, the digital agency podcast for progressive agency owners and web professionals. Season four is an exploration of diversity in our industry, especially gender diversity. This season, your host, Barry O'Kane, is joined by some wonderful co-hosts for conversations with agency leaders and diversity and inclusion experts. Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio. In this episode, Kelly and I are joined by another Kelly. Kelly McKenzie is founder of White Bear Studios, who are a creative design agency with offices in London and Dublin. Recently, Kelly and her team launched Shape, a new diversity scheme looking to get more school kids into design. Shape is a really inspiring initiative, and Kelly shares the genesis of Shape and how they went from idea to reality while growing and running the agency at the same time. We also talk about how having a baby was a really positive experience for White Bear, as well as a big change for her personally. So let's meet Kelly. I'm Kelly McKenzie, the creative director and founder of White Bear Studios. We are a branding and design agency based in London and in Dublin. A little bit about White Bear, people tend to be a bit intrigued as to where the name came from. So there was this American psychologist called Daniel Wegner, and he had a theory. If you're asked not to think about something, all you could do is think about that one thing. So during all of his tests, the actual example that he used was trying not to think about a white bear. And he found that once that seed had been planted, nobody could go longer than 10 seconds without thinking about a white bear. So that's what we do in White Bear Studios. We tend to plant seeds in our client's target audience's mind that they just create these memorable moments that they can't stop thinking about. So we are a a branding and design agency passionate about problem solving and making tangible differences to, um, to businesses. So not design for design's sake, but design that makes a difference. Is that enough of an introduction for you, Barry? That's wonderful. Thanks, Kelly. And I really hadn't heard that story before. That's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I came about that uh, many years ago. And even before I set up my studio, it was always going to be called White Bear Studio. (laughs) Excellent. And thanks so much. Uh, Really welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you for for having me, Barry and Kelly. Uh, It's great to, to talk. And we have Kelly, we have two Kellys. We have uh, Kelly Molson back as well. Hi, Kelly. Hi, hi, guys. So White Bear Studios, yeah, you, you mentioned there that you kind of had the name almost before you had a studio. Tell us a little bit about where you started the studio and, and a bit more of that backstory. So essentially, my background is in branding and design. I studied in IADT in Dublin over 10 years ago. In, in that time or since that time, I spent some time working in Dublin, in Australia, and then in London for the last many years, really, focusing on branding and design. And what, what I found um, working in larger agencies and working in smaller agencies was that you don't need a really big design team to make a tangible difference to the business that you're working with. In fact, in my opinion, it can be, it can be counterintuitive to have a huge design team instead of having a smaller outfit. So what I think is hugely beneficial for our clients is when they ring, they don't have to be put through to the marketing department or the web department or the branding department. All of us, we are a very small team and from 
five to 10, five being the core team, and then we grow depending on the projects. But when any of our clients call, we are all able to answer their questions. We work together on every project, which we find makes for a far more consistent and considered solution. We, we get very invested in our projects at, at White Bear. A little bit of background then, I, in London, worked in a number of studios and, and then finding that a small team could create great results. I left nearly five years ago and set up White Bear Studios, starting with just myself, a laptop and my dog, Pip, um, in our front room of our house. Then growing over the past nearly, nearly five years to um, a larger team in our team that we all have different uh, specialities, but we work closely on, on every project together. It sounds a little bit funny. I always get asked, well, you're Irish. Why did you set up a studio in England? It actually happened by accident a little bit. I, I left and set up White Bear and then realized I actually didn't have a network of of anybody really in, in London and in the UK that my network is in Dublin. So I had to start in London by essentially knocking on doors, going to networking events, going to the opening of an envelope, I always say, <laughs> literally to meet anybody that I could. And I just started from there, from the ground up, and then a little bit in the reverse order, then set up the Dublin studio later on. So that's, that's a little bit about the studio, I guess. Yeah, brilliant. The reason I was really interested in in your in the background there in the background of the studio is, and for the listeners who will know that this episode, this season of the podcast is all about diversity and inclusion. But recently, you launched something called Shape. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So, Shape is something. It's a new initiative that is very close to our hearts. All of the bears in the in in White Bear, we started it. Maybe I should I should give a little background about why we started it before what it actually is. I found when setting up White Bear um, very quickly that it was quite a lonely environment to be in in the design industry as a female business owner. I, I it was a little bit lonely for me. I didn't have peers to discuss challenges that I was having, and yes, as I looked around there weren't many other female business owners in the industry. I started talking about this a bit more in the studio. We are actually a predominantly female studio at the moment, not exclusively, obviously, but predominantly. And we started discussing about the problem in more detail. And the the wider we looked, the more we realized that actually there isn't a huge amount of diversity at all in the design industry, which was something that we hadn't considered really beforehand. Looking into it in more detail, we tried to work out, well, well, why why is this? And there were a number of things that that arose through our, our conversations in the studio. Again, this not being an initiative in the beginning, more just a conversation. And we felt that the perception of design can be seen firstly as, as a bit of, of a luxury and to, to, to study design. It, it, it can be an expensive course to, to take. Also, it can be seen, perceived as a bit of a risk, a bit of a, I don't know, I think I can remember someone saying to me, oh, well, you're going to be a painter if you, if you study something creative and the lack of awareness there as to the many different careers that you could go into uh, studying a creative course. It wasn't there and I, I, I wasn't personally aware. My parents weren't aware of the options that would be open to me. So I think in the studio, we decided that some of, some of the challenges were the lack of education as to what a design course could lead you to in terms of a career path. Also, uh, support in, in, in schools and um, by parents about choosing a creative course. So, so we saw these as, as kind of core issues 
that would uh, prevent somebody choosing choosing design. So then I guess we thought, well, how can we do a little, do something about this? Anything small just to, to make our, our kind of contribution. Um, and that's where Shape came about. The purpose of Shape, I guess we say, is to encourage diversity in design. And the way we see and the impact that, that we see that we can make is going into schools and doing workshops. So yes, so that that's I guess that the purpose the purpose of shape is to increase diversity and to to educate students about the benefits of a creative design um, career. So that's I guess that's a really broad intro in, into shape. I, I can talk about it in a little bit more detail if, if you would like. Yeah, definitely. I, I would really love to know what happens in a typical workshop. So if you can take us through, you know, what, what you would actually do when you when you go into the schools. Yes, absolutely. Again, this is a very, uh, a very new initiative of ours. And actually, our first workshop is next week. So we are talking about what we are going to be doing rather than what, what we have done. But we have done many a run through and uh, I can talk you through exactly what a workshop would entail. Initially, the workshops are two, about two and a half hours long with a, a few breaks throughout for the students. We are going in to speak to year nine and year 10. So some will have chosen their GCSEs. Some are in the process of choosing. So we hope to be able to I guess, influence that, that decision. The workshops, when we actually start running them, there will be about, I think, around about 30, per, 30 students per workshop. And they go in, in pre-parts. So initially, we were going to do an intro as to what actually is design, because that can be, uh, that's a very broad subject. And many students might not actually know, well, what, what actually is design? And, and we're going to be highlighting how design is all around you and, 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 and try to get the students to observe. Uh, I think a statistic is usually 130 pieces of design on average on your commute to work. So we are going to, we're actually all going to do our our journey to the schools and take pictures of the various pieces of design that we see along the way to share. So a little bit of background about how design is, is all around you. We would love for shape to grow bigger than graphic design, but obviously graphic design is our expertise. So initially the workshops are only going to be about graphic design and there's room to grow in the future. But in the, in the introduction about graphic design, we'll be talking about four key areas of design to consider, um, color, owning a color, owning topography, hierarchy of information and how we digest and read information and the power of, of image. We have little games for them uh, throughout because obviously we want it to be really interactive and engaging. So we will be showing them colors, for example, a Cadbury's purple and getting them to name name the brand uh, sharing letters from from various other brands or from film posters and getting them to name the film poster to, to highlight to them that just by seeing say one letter from the coca-cola logo you know that it's coca-cola so it's about creating that that visual link then we get on to the really fun part where we have developed shape cards so we're going to split the workshop room into groups and they will be given essentially a random brief how the random brief works is that we have a deck of cards split into four different themes. So everybody will get a name card, a problem card, an outcome card, and a tip. 
So perhaps if I talk you through maybe an example that, that might explain, explain how they would work. So we will give out a name card. For example, uh, we would, we've come up with a number of brand or campaign names. Uh, let's take Glow for an example is one of the ones that we have. And we would come up with a, a problem and our problem tends to have an issue and also a target audience. So a problem, for example, could be encouraging students to use less plastic. So that would be their problem. Their name is Glow. They'd encourage students to use less plastic. And then their outcome, again, this would be another random selection from the cards where we have a number of various outcomes. For example, could be create a social media campaign. And then lastly, we would give them a tip. So on these tips, we have various things for them to consider. And um, for example, it could be tone of voice or emotion, which you want somebody to feel when they see your, your social media campaign. So we, we will be giving them these four different, four different themes for them to work on in a group using problem solving skills because we see graphic design as a powerful tool for problem solving so we're giving them a problem essentially and getting them to to solve it using creativity then they will present it back to us um, and that's that's essentially the workshop however we do have we do have a larger brief and an exhibition as well that will follow on from that any any questions on the kind of the workshop or does that make sense yeah it does make sense i think it's brilliant I think it's it's really engaging what you're asking them to do. And I love the idea that you've got a larger brief that they can take part in as well. Yes. Yeah, so the larger the larger brief is something that we are also quite quite excited about. We will be leaving the, the deck of cards and with the, the art class teacher and anyone interested in taking on the larger brief, we will be giving them again a random selection of the four four cards and they will be able to do that brief in their own time what we want to do then is have an exhibition at the end of the year for anybody who enters the larger brief the exhibition we're going to exhibit all the work and then but what's exciting about it is that there will be prizes so (laughs) always excited when there's prizes (laughs) but things that we would like the prizes to be we have a number of studios which we're excited about that are offering placements placements so students can get a real feel for what it's like to be in a studio we have offers from not just design studios but various creatives creative agencies and studios so they will be able to get a, a real feel for what it's like and would they like to go down the creative path for their future yes and um, we'll also be offering a type of um, mentorship scheme again a really valuable tool and finally in terms of prizes we would like to offer art supplies and art vouchers to encourage the the students to i guess keep up the creativity and and, and, and keep drawing yeah, wow, that's really brilliant, Kelly. What you mentioned there, the art teachers, is there something, or was it difficult to, when you came up with this idea, to go from idea to, like you said, your first one is in the school next week. How did you reach out to the schools? It sounds like you put a huge amount of effort into the actual design of this workshop. What was the process to go from that idea to now running your first one next week? And to be honest, it has taken a long time. Because obviously all of us are fitting this into to our spare time in the studio and we're all really, really passionate, but it is taking it has taken a considerable amount of time to birth shape, I guess, essentially. How we went about it, we actually started it like we would a branding project with, with ourselves and students being the clients. So we started 
with the branding, coming up with the name, shape being representing support, help, advice, play and encourage. We were delighted when we found that that came together to make the word shape. That was our our starting point. We got excited about that. Then we went on to make a quite significantly long list of schools in the London area. We specifically tried to, to curtail this to a list of, I guess we'd say underprivileged schools or schools with less funding for the arts. Our list, again, was, was very long. And then we went on to contact the, the actual art teachers in the schools. And we were amazed at how receptive they were and how quick they were to get back to us. We went about that process maybe about five or six months ago, all of them being really keen, really keen to book in and, and to get, evo- get involved. So it was funny how it can go from a, a project in the studio that we're all internally thinking about to all of a sudden putting it out there and seeing a, a real demand. That was very exciting. So yes, yeah, so we have, ha- have a long list of studios. We have shortened it down to initially 15. So we're starting with, with 15 studios, or not studios, 15 uh, schools, many of them being in East London. And that's, that's where we're at on that. So, yeah, that's just totally amazing. I love the fact that what he's just said there about it, seeing it come to life from an idea into now you're going into school next week. That's really cool. Was it difficult <laughs> to do that early stage? So you're coming up with an idea, like you said, you're also running the agency and, and the team and doing projects and so on. Quite often in, within agencies or within teams, there's often a side project or an idea which is bubbling away or just, you know, is mentioned over lunch or something. But was it difficult to actually... Yeah, there must have been quite a bit of time involved in that. Was it difficult to kind of push that into reality or was it just that it just kind of happened and everybody was excited about it, so it just happened? Um, I don't think anything like shape can just happen. <laughs> it, just take, it, it did take a lot, of, a lot of work. I think what happened, I think there was a, a, a bit of a turning point where we probably spent nearly a year talking about it in the studio, thinking about it, it kind of getting pushed on the long finger a number of times for client deadlines and, and other things jumping in the way. But we very much a passion project, so we would have been working on it in our spare time and any downtime that we had. I think I think the turning point, to be honest, was when schools got back to us and said, actually, yes, we want to do this. And then we we're like, all right, okay. So now we actually have to get it together properly. It's not just an idea. So that very much put the wheels in motion and, and sped up the whole process. So there was, a, yeah, a long drawn out time of talking and then very quick action and response, I guess, once we had schools schools signed up. And that comes back to something that I'm really interested in is the, uh, you know, when you said at the start that you had identified this problem, you talked about being isolated as a, as a female founder and also in the design industry generally. I know, Kelly, that that's something that Mob Happy was kind of had a similar genesis. Is that fair? Yes, it was. Um, I kind of noticed a couple of years ago that networking events or, or industry focused events that I'd attend there'd be very very few women there and I was it always really surprised me but I think I was more surprised that actually I personally didn't know that many other kind of women agency owners which is I set out to kind of interview as many as I could and that's kind of how Mob Happy came about a place to bring them together and you know you talked earlier about having trying to find that support network Kelly that you were looking for when you first started up I guess that was what I was looking for, even not, you know, not at being at startup phase. I wanted that kind of support from other women agency owners that sort of 
understood maybe some of the challenges that I was having personally and with my agency. And that was what Mob Happy was created for. How much of this idea was or the, you, it was from you or how much was from the team and your, the designers you work with? I have to say it's, it's been very much a team project, very much so. Uh, the amount of work the guys have put in is, is astonishing and how passionate they, they all are is, is amazing. So I would very much say, say it is a team project. It is something that is very close to my heart, having come up against those, those challenges myself and um, Kelly I know you mentioned about about networking events there I mean out of interest I tend to count the male to female ratio many times and a lot of the time it's myself or maybe one other person flying solo um, at those networking events I remember a, a friend of mine we, we actually went to a design event and he said he felt like it was like a Westlife concert <laughs> the boy band up on the up on the stage and it's just it just wasn't a in any way a, an equal split and i guess another another thing that really brought it home to me was obviously when i set up the company i found that there wasn't many female business owners but furthermore in the last 10 months i actually i had a baby and that was a whole new kettle of fish and a whole really steep learning curve and i had i didn't really know to ha- how to go about it i didn't have anybody to talk to to be honest to say how do i run a business and go on maternity leave or how do I get home in time to put my baby to bed and I and get that balance and I just found that that, that even made it an even bigger challenge for me and it happened to be happening at the same time as as shape was happening so it made me realize how how important what we're doing what we're doing is I guess um, and how beneficial it would be for me to have had a network of people to be able to throw my questions at and ask for support. <laughs> I completely, completely understand that situation. Mine is similar in the sense that we've been trying to have a baby for a really long time. So I was at the time juggling IVF appointments and uh, how do I, how do I do this big scary thing without letting it affect the kind of agency running life? So different challenges, but the same challenge. So I totally understand. <laughs> I mean, I think a big a big thing for me, Kelly, was realizing that it is going to affect it and trying to pretend that it's not going to was, was causing so much stress. And it's just about being more efficient with your time or also being kinder to yourself because you can't do everything. And also, personally, I found working remotely a lot more so that I could be at home a little sunny, especially going back to work, I think, uh, well, I did actually take a meeting from the hospital, but um, going back to work two, two months in, being able to have that flexibility was hugely important. And that was something that I hadn't experienced in any other studio that I'd worked in, the ability to work remotely in a design agency. It just doesn't happen. But it's nice, I guess, you know, you mentioned earlier about having a smaller team. And I think we also have a relatively small team. And it's nice to have that flexibility that you can design your working day and and everybody else's in the right way that works for you. So you it gives you that certain level of flexibility, I guess, which is, is something that you really need at this point. Mm-hmm. The team have been so supportive and I, I, mean, I couldn't have done it without them, but they just fully understood the challenges. I guess another challenge for myself is that I decided to have my baby in Ireland and the studio is in England. So that added a whole other level of challenges with me flying quite often, well, flying weekly. 
So yeah, we've just built that into the the way the studio works and the guys are used to working um, via Skype with me on many occasions. They all huddle around the computer and and also with the flexibility of, of flying and how they have to work around my times quite often. But I mean, I think it, it makes us more efficient. Yeah, it just it just makes me more efficient, I guess. I guess really, there's there's not as much time for um, long lunches or uh, meetings that don't really have to happen. So yeah, I think it's been a positive to the studio. What, what initially was a huge challenge and something I was very anxious about ended up being a, a really big positive. That's something that I've heard about different so several times from different people in sort of. I guess when they're facing some sort of challenge like that, as the founder or leader in an agency, and then that actually turns out in the long term to have been a positive. That's really interesting. So you touched on the efficiencies there and being able to sort of make the flexibility and remote stuff work. Do you think though that was the reason uh, when you say it sort of finally became positive? Is that, you know, I think those efficiencies were the reason or was there other changes going on at the same time? Yeah, there actually, there were other changes going on at the same time. It very much finding out I was pregnant and that in, in, nine months time I, I wasn't going to be able to be there kind of sped up the growth of the studio a considerable amount and I was like right it needs to be able to function without me so we need at the time it had been I knew the answer to everything so ask Kelly ask Kelly ask Kelly and when Kelly's not going to be there we needed really robust processes in place so it very much forced me in, in, in a good way to to grow the studio quicker than I would have. So for example, we now have Esme, who's our project and client manager, and she's she's amazing. But she came in and there'd nobody been in there nobody had been in that role before her. So we very much had to work out what her role what her role was. And yes, putting in more processes as well as to how we do things just made us a much better studio. And actually as a result and a lot of the feedback we get from back, back from our clients is that the process has been has been delightful, some have said, but it ha- hasn't been painful and that they've known every step of the journey, what the process was going to be, what was expected of them, even little details down to we've created feedback sheets to give to our clients so that we get really succinct feedback. We have processes for every type of service that we offer and a lot of the times that's something that larger agencies have and smaller agencies don't have the time to do but when you know that you're not going to be there in a certain number of months you really need to put those processes in place so that was another huge huge bonus plus the studio grew in terms of numbers as well so yeah a lot lot of things have been going on in the past year it all sounds incredibly positive, though, Kelly. I, I love it. <laughs> I would love to hear what your what your vision is for Shape and, you know, what's, what's the dream for it? You know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the studio size and the challenge of, of having a, an amazing passion project that is also going to be quite time consuming as well. How do you see it developing? And do you see you briefing other studios so that they can come on board and help you with this? Absolutely. I mean, the the world is our oyster in terms of where where (laughs) we go. We have had comments from people saying, "Why does it have to be just design? Could it be? Could it be music? Could it be anything creative?" I think the answer to that is yes as well. Obviously, we have to start with what we know. So we're we're starting with design. We're starting with a small-ish number of schools in London. But we do see that growing. We'd like to go further than just London next year. We'd like to expand into the rest of the UK. We'd like to do similar in in Ireland. 
And so in terms of growth, we, we would love that. We, and we would also love to not just offer design, we'd love to offer other creative workshops. In terms of other studios, um, absolutely, again, we've had a really great response to to shape and have had a number of studios offering offering placements offering mentors we just really i guess uh, this year is our test and we need to work out how we can um, integrate them throughout the year and, and next year and how, how we can make make it all work really but uh, ideally we, we would love other studios to be involved other people um, going about the doing the workshops obviously there's a certain amount of vetting that we need to do with it being um, being schools and students under 18 so we have to be quite careful as to how, how we go about all of that but yes so the, the the plan is that it would be bigger than bigger than white bear obviously something that that's on the website that really resonated with me is that um you wrote a statement that you said that you feel really grateful for the opportunities that you've had to study in uh, the creative subjects in school but you, you did mention that it, uh, something around parents and about how sometimes it can take a little persuading when um, broaching the subject of working the arts with them. It, that really, really resonated with me because I can still remember back when I was choosing what I was going to do and I went off and did a graphic design course and my dad was thinking, what on earth is she, you know, is she just going to paint pictures all day? You know, what she, is she, are you, how are you going to earn any money doing this? And it was really... I think even still when I set up my agency, he was still a little bit like, well, why don't you go out and get a proper job? <laughs> and I just, I sort of wondered what your experience was with that had been. And if there's anything that you're thinking about putting in place that will help the parents more with these workshops as well. Mm, I think I think the parents are, are hugely important in encouraging the students. And, and yes, absolutely. When I came home and said I wanted to do design, my dad is like, what? You don't want to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of a running joke that month to month I wanted to be anything beginning with D, a designer, doctor, dancer. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my heart always knew I wanted to do something creative. But again, the schools, I think, really bit. Not that they were not supportive, but the advice that I was given, and in Ireland we do the we do the leaving cert, not the A levels. And the advice I was given is you won't get a good leaving cert if you're focusing on your portfolio to get into uni. So I was like, okay, I don't really know an alternative. So I focus very much on my leaving cert results, and I got a I got a good leaving cert, good A levels. And then in terms of the courses that I applied to, I remember what the day I got my results, I wasn't happy with the course that I got. It wasn't me because I wanted to do something creative. And I remember my mom, the day I got my results, driving me down to the local college that had a portfolio course and signing my name up straight away. So yeah, I just straight away went into doing, doing a portfolio course to get into, into uni, which was something I really should have done while I was in school, but I hadn't, hadn't been given that, that support, I guess. I have to say my parents ha- have been hugely supportive. And while probably not always 100% sure about what I am doing, I'm very supportive that I'm enjoying it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I remember my dad saying, oh, well, you need to go to uh, Trinity College in, in Dublin. And that's a, that's a good college to go to. And like, but they don't do art there. So it was just there was a lot of educating my parents as to what I could, what career I could end up in. But I have to say that as as I persisted, they they have been hugely supportive. And the minute I, I did start the course, 
I, I think they find it really interesting, to be honest. But yes, I think I think there can be a lot to be done to inform parents um, and educate them that doing a creative course, you will get a job and there is a career path and there is a future and it's it's not a risk. So yes, I think I think a lot could be could be done around that, and and that's something that Shape would like to help with as well. Something else that really stood out to me uh, earlier was when you talked about prizes, and my first thought went to you know gadgets and money and things. But actually, what you're describing around is much more valuable. There, you're talking about placements and mentoring and supplies. I thought that was huge because it's more than just like the workshop in itself, and quite often. You know, that can be a one little experience and then, you know, any positive impact for that might trickle off quite quickly. Is that, I mean, I assume that's a very deliberate decision you made around these. this is how we can make it uh, an ongoing benefit. Mm, I think I think for us, it was very much about making studios accessible to students. I mean, when I was when I was in school, I didn't know about design studios or what went on in them or what they were like. So I think it's about giving the students experiences, which is something that we really want to do. I remember one of my summers on work experience, I did actually go to a studio and I think it was while I was actually doing my portfolio. And the first piece of design that I did was designing a hairdresser's uh, price list that went up in the window of the hairdressers. And I just remember marching my mom and my dad, anybody who would come with me to go down and look at the window of the hairdressers. I was just so proud of it. And just those, it was that little experience that then was like, okay, this is something I actually really enjoy doing. But yeah, it's about giving them an experience. And we've had an overwhelming response with studios offering placements, which we we are delighted about. Obviously, we'd always love more. But yes, it's become something really real that we can offer now because more studios have offered placements. So happy days. That's really wonderful. Um, Thanks so much, Kelly. Unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time. So maybe one last thing you can leave us with is anybody listening who wants to find out more about White Bear or more about Shape and potentially how to support Shape, where should we point them? Okay, so White Bear, you can go to www.whitebearstudio.co.uk. And for Shape, we currently have a holding page up on theshapeinitiative.com. However, the website will be going up in the coming weeks. But anybody who is interested in getting involved can email us at shape at whitebear.co.uk and we would love to hear from you. Um, There are a few things we are actually really in need of if anybody is feeling like they would like to get involved or feeling generous. We very much still need prizes in terms of art supplies or vouchers. That's something that we are in need of. We have we have got got placements and have mentors. Another thing is at, at the end of the year we are looking to hold our exhibition and we're looking for a venue where we could hold it. So anyone out there with a lovely venue who would like to hold an exhibition for a really great initiative, please do get in touch. And finally, if there if there are any any printers, we would love to be able to print more material and assets for the students uh, going into the workshops. We have a, a limited supply of, of, of cards, actually very generously printed for free by Trilogy, which we are delighted about. But we would love to to have more assets. So yes, any printers would like to get in touch. That would be brilliant. 
Wonderful. Thank you. We'll put um, the links there in the show notes on happyporchradio.com. I should also mention that when we talk about next week, that's next week of our, as of our recording. This will actually go live a week or two after your first workshop. So maybe we can, anybody interested, can get in touch to find out how that went as well. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. We are really looking forward to it. Awesome. Best of luck with it, Kelly. I'm so excited to find out how it goes. Well, thank you so much. A little bit nervous, but mostly excited. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. For having me on. I really appreciate it. You can get all the links and notes from this episode on happyporchradio.com, where you can also find out how to send us questions, feedback, and get involved in the conversation about this series. If you enjoyed the show, please share with anyone else who might enjoy it too. Thanks for listening.